Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. So why is Jennifer on the podcast? Well, at 19, Jennifer opened her first boutique, specialising in maternity and baby clothing in the US. And at 28, she sold the Stork's Nest to Macy's. From there, she owned high-end boutiques that catered to clients like Michelle Obama and Madeleine Albright. But after a divorce, she decided to live her best life and move to Italy. Jennifer is joining us on the podcast to advise us about being our authentic selves and to trust your gut when making decisions, especially when it comes to finding happiness. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, welcome Jennifer Sontag to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Claire. Thank you for having me. I know. So nice good to morning. Yes. Good morning. Noon for you, right? Well, Sorry. It is afternoon for me, but that's okay. It's morning for you where you are in your side of the world. So look, um, I've given a little bit of background about you, but like it's only a tiny, small paragraph. <laughs> and I'm sure people are going to want to know a lot more as you owned you owned, you owned uh, high-end boutiques that catered for clients like Michelle Obama and all of that malarkey, right? So, mm-hmm. like, tell us a bit more about who you are and how you got the here. And also, like, you're a single mum as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm like the cat like, nine lives. Yes. <laughs> so tell, tell us about a little bit about your journey then. Sure. So we'll try to make this the short version of a very well, long story. We have an hour. <laughs> don't worry. We could use it all. So I started my single mom journey very young. I was a um, young, ambitious 19 um, year old and had yeah. my lovely son when I was just graduating from high school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I I thought, you know, the traditional, my sister was pre-law, going to go to law school. I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, my friends were off moving towards their careers. And I thought, well, I have a baby. What the hell am I going to do with myself? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I, was, I, I had little part-time jobs. And one of these part-time jobs, I really loved working in this boutique. And it catered to moms and babies. And I saw this as a great opportunity. My son could be with me. I was dirt poor, had no money. So I had no idea how I was going to pay for childcare or how I would even feed my son. So, you know, um, the montage breast is best. Well, breast is the most affordable. Well, that was Yeah, taking my college money and turning it into a business um, seemed to be the best idea. And so I did. And um, that was when I was 19. When I was 27, I sold the store that I began at 19. By that point, I had two children. I was still single. And I moved into corporate buying from there. I went to work for, um, if you have American uh, audience members, they might know Nordstrom. I was a buyer for Nordstrom. I was a buyer for Macy's. And then I went back to owning my boutique. And that's when I started moving into a very high-end clientele. By that point, I was done with maternity. No more pregnancies, no more babies. That was like eight years of pregnancy, more wow. boobs and butts than any woman should ever have to deal with. And yeah. oh, too much. So God. some high-end, beautiful clothing. It was the time of Project Runway. It was really popular on TV. People yeah. were getting in young, independent designers. 
And so I wanted to be a part of that. And I loved fashion. And so that is what I did for wow. many, many years. And well, then what did I you do with married. the kids? What did you do they with came the kids? With me. They were with me. My daughter came from the hospital. My daughter was in the hospital for a little extended stay. She had a little, little birth problem. Yeah. And she came straight from the hospital right into my store at two weeks old. And they never left. My children were with me all the time. I would wow. pick them up from school. They'd come back to the store. They had a, I built in a playroom. Other kids would come and play with them. By the time they were, you know, young teens, preteens, they were working with me. My daughter started her first business. I just was reminded of this. My daughter started her first business at seven years old. Wow. And it was called Wall to Wall. And she, my friends would hire her to go over and sort out their mail and put away groceries and, you know, clean up the toy rooms. <laughs> oh my God. And she got paid for it and... You got paid for it. I kept what her out of trouble. What does she do now? How old is she now? She's 27 now and she works for me. Wow. She, wow. She just wow. left her, she just left her job teaching. She she was an elementary school teacher and she decided that entrepreneurship was for her. So she's working with me and she's starting her own business back to her roots. She is going to start an a business to help women expats who are moving abroad, get themselves organized and sorted out. And, you know, um, so she's come back to the nest. Wow. It's amazing. Um, and, and did you like, were there any, well, were there any challenges with like having the kids with you and you, they just were in the back room and that was it. And you did the, and you just got on with it. Oh. Oh, of course. Of course. My children were perfect. No issues at oh. all, Claire. No, they were just lovely. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Nice. <laughs> My son, so funny. So when he was two or three years old, he decided to go through a biting phase <gasps> and he would bite the other children that would come into the boutique and their parents would put them in the little playroom to play with my sweet, darling, lovely. little curly son. And they would come out screaming because he would bite them. Well, I suppose they were in his little domain, weren't they, they playing were with his toys? Oh, yeah. Like, no, thanks. No, no, no. So we had, yeah, I mean, there were challenges, but it was funny because, you know, small towns, um, when he went to high school, he re-met some of those girls that he bit. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well. So when one of the parents at some sort of parent-teacher conference said, oh, my God, the little biting boy has grown up. He's so cute. And, of oh. course, by this point, these girls are teenage girls. They're beautiful. And my son has hormones. So. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Fortunately, his two-year-old reputation preceded him. And they stayed well away. <laughs> they stayed well oh, away. Oh, poor bloke. Poor bloke. Poor so, okay, so you had all of this going on, right? Yeah. Successful, high-end clients, etc. And then you sort of went, yeah, nah, not for me. Oh, well, you know, it was for me, and I would have never have said that on my own, but I got remarried. When I was 34, 35, my children were now, oh gosh, my son was like 16. My daughter was 11 or 12. By that point, wow. I got married. And I married this man. He was a bit younger than me, looked great on paper, architect, university oh, professor, wow. all handsome, had it all on paper. But I always had um, an inferiority complex. I always felt like I needed to finish my education. And, and so he encouraged that. That was the one good thing that he, he did is he encouraged that. And so at 35, I closed my business and I went back to school. I got my bachelor's degree, continued on, I got my master's because by that point I was getting told I'm overqualified, undereducated. Then I flipped to overeducated, underqualified wow. because I which disciplines and I went into social sciences because I wanted to understand how do people tick? What makes people do the things that they do? I wanted to get inside of their minds that I didn't want 
to be a psychologist because that felt too heavy for me. Yeah. I am not somebody who likes to sort of um, spend time rethinking about the past. I am, I am much more of an active doer. I want yeah. to put forward something in place and I want to move yeah. forward. So social and behavioral science was perfect for me because I could figure out how do people tick and design a program and move them forward. So between 35 and about 43, 44, I went back to school and I was working on my education. Bachelor's, master's, PhD. I never finished my dissertation, but I took all of my courses for a PhD. So I'm almost a doctor. I'm like the little doctor. Um, <laughs> the little part, the little part that didn't write the big paper. Yeah. So, and so after that, you know, I had decided, one, I didn't really love my husband. He wasn't a very nice guy. Okay. Wasn't happy living where we were living. I was out. I was done. I packed up my stuff. He went to work one day. I drove away. And that was that. Oh. And I ended up a year later in China. Oh, my God. So you just went, well, I had enough. And that, like, what did you even think deeply about? Did you just think deeply about it? Or did you just go, nah, not happy, not feeling this? It, I need to just go. Yeah. And if I think was, about it too much, I'm not going to go. Exactly. I think that was a big part of it. You know, I had this revelation in July. Um, we were on vacation. It was sort of a weird vacation. He was doing some work. He was a university professor at that point, and he was presenting at a conference. So I had a lot of time on my hands to think. Yeah. And I'm not a good person to have a lot of time on my hands to think because I make big, big decisions, which kind of shake the world around me. Um, wow. as Jeff says, I come up with a lot of big ideas. I keep no, them on their toes. Good. So, you know, I'm standing, I'm standing in Lisbon, Portugal. And I just thought, what am I doing? I'm not happy. I now have all of this education. I basically threw away a career that I loved and I was really good at. And in this time period, in this seven to eight year time period, we went from brick and mortar retail stores that I knew how to do really, really well to everything moving online. And yeah. I had, my focus came off of that. So I was going to suddenly have this huge uphill curve to relearn how to do what I knew how, how to do in this new, new platform, new way. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing with myself. What, what? I don't want to be a behavioral scientist, a social scientist. I, I don't want to do that full time. I don't love it. I like, I like a lot of the in intricacies. I like, you know, the new way to think and, and formulate um, solutions and come to problems and, and find ways through them. But I don't want to do that for a living. I can't go back to where I was. Great. Now what? And I stood there. Um, at the westernmost tip of Portugal, and went. This is not the life I want. So we we got back home, and I slowly started packing things um, secretly. And so I went so down. You made, your, you made your decision in Portugal, basically, and then came back I and went I right. Was... Decision made. Now I need a plan of action to get out. Exactly. I made the decision. I was going. I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing, or when that would be. So I spent from July until early February making contacts, thinking, okay, I'll go back to my own home city. I'll, you know, land there, soft landing, figure out what to do. And and remember, this is a conscious decision that I'm making that I'm not happy. Of course, I get there eight, nine months later. And I feel like the whole world has collapsed. And oh my God, take me back, take me back. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Thank goodness I did not go back. Um, and I decided, you know what? This was the first opportunity I had. I had been a I had been a parent or a wife since I was 19 years old. I'm now at this point like 45, 46, I don't know, something around there. It was just me. My kids were grown. My son had a master's. He was he was married. My daughter had finished her bachelor's. She was getting ready to start her master's. It was just me. That was huge. And so I decided to do the 
the boldest thing I could. I moved to Shanghai, China from the middle of America, the Midwest. Did you speak Chinese? No, I didn't even like Chinese food. <gasps> You're insane. <laughs> You are insane. You moved to a place you couldn't speak the language yet. And you didn't even like the food there. Didn't like the food. Didn't, you know, knew very little of the culture. I had traveled there years and years earlier on business. But those business trips, you know, they were so American sanitized. We were staying at the Marriott's eating Chinese spaghetti. Um, You know, that, that really wasn't seeing the country. But it fascinated me. And I thought, you know what? I get to do whatever I want. So why not do something big and bold and crazy? What the heck do I have to lose? I'll just go back home. Who cares? That's, that's true. I just turn around. Yeah. They have that's airplanes. There. I just turn around and come back. And so I did. And I went. Okay. And you went. And what I did went you do? And- did you just do nothing there but travel around or... No, no. So I planned, um, my plan was to go teach English. My plan was one school year, I would take, you know, 10, 11 months, one school year and go teach English, just do something different, give back, do something, you know, it's not a lot of money, but it would make, I would have housing provided. I just needed a break. I just needed to shake up my core. Um, and so I went, I ended up teaching business and economics because that was my skill set in English, obviously. Nobody wants yeah. me speaking Chinese. Very bad. I don't know. <laughs> and my and, Chinese is not much better either. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> three years later, after COVID had started, COVID raged through for, for one of the years I was there. Three years later, oh I left. Wow. So in the meantime, I found a wonderful Spanish partner. I wrote several business plans. I had a traumatic brain injury. I learned to like Chinese food. I traveled around. It was, it was so much fun and so fantastic. Um, and, and so what you needed to do, right? Cause like it's exactly life's too short. I, it, it was exactly what I needed to do. You know, Claire, when I got there, if you asked me to put a light bulb in a lamp, I would have asked you how to do it. I was oh. so upside down from my marriage. My ex-husband made me feel like I was so small and so incapable that I had forgotten how to even exist and survive. And China fixed it. No more anxiety, no depression. I had no time to be anxious. I had no time to be depressed. I had no time to be down. I had to live. And I did. And it was so much fun. So much fun. The very, very best therapy program I could have ever put myself through. So if somebody's listening to this and they're going, well, I'm not very happy, I'm depressed, I don't know what I'm doing, um, and they're they're sort of having all of these thoughts, what would your advice to them be? Like, plan, just go and do it? What, what would you say? You know, for me, what worked, and it, it doesn't work for everybody, but, you know, through what I do now, what I've seen is, you know, Think back to what's important to you, you know, when, and what was important to me was experiences and proving to myself that I was capable. And so I just needed to find my medium where that was going to come into play. Right. For me, it was being fish out of water. I needed to be a place that challenged every, every sense at all times, um, you know, to really activate me, to get me back on track so that I could start doing. Um, and so for me, this was my doing academy. This was my doing therapy. So, you know, I think you've got to go back. There's there's all these little things, you know, somewhere back in the back of my head, many, many years ago when I was in high school, I used to try to convince my parents to let me do study abroad. You know, I, I wanted to study abroad for college. I wanted to travel. I always thought by being in fashion, I could go to these great buying trips. I could visit factories and fashion shows and all of these things, but I had kids. And so I was never able to really realize these things. And so, you know, 20, 20 something years of pent up desires and, and sidestep dreams came together and landed me three years in China. Um, You know, and it, 
it was just, it was that culmination of that path. It was all of those things that someday, 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 I just bulked them up and went big. So oh, I think. I don't think you could get much bigger <laughs> than what you did. No, that's fair enough. Look, was there anything, was there anything that actually surprised you though, that like you hadn't, <laughs> or, or was that, or was that a silly question? Is that everything that like. Everything. Everything. You know what really surprised me was how hard it was, but how full of life I felt. Um, And when you you say how hard it was, what do you mean hard was like? I mean, think about it. You know, I'm, I'm from the Midwest of America. I speak one language. I am monolingual. Here I am in Shanghai, China, 24 million people, only about 100 to 200,000 of those people are foreigners. Many of them are, you know, Russian, uh, Spanish, Italian, uh, African, Australian. There's not a lot of Americans there. So one, all of a sudden, every cultural competency that I ever encountered or thought I knew was going to be tested. New types of food, new language, new culture, just the the way things happen. Vacations. I had owned a business for 20-something years. I never had a vacation. Suddenly, every year, there's a mandatory one-month vacation for Chinese New Year. You must stop working and travel. Like And you're like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, this sounds terrible. What do I do with myself? (laughs) Wow, really? Yeah, so it was, and it was 24 hours a day. It's a city of 24 million people. So it was exhausting, but I never felt better. I lost weight. My skin cleared up. The circles under my eyes are better. The age spots started fading. Wow. I swear it was a glow up. Like I reverse aged through the situation. I felt younger. I looked younger. I got healthy. You know, it just, it changed everything for me wow it was a complete it would you have made the same decision if the kids had been younger though because you were like virtually on your own so if you'd have been in that marriage and then and had the kids I don't think I would have been brave enough to I think I would have went to Europe I think I would have went to South America I think I probably would have done something easier um but I don't know. You know, my daughter, when my daughter was 16, I was looking for summer camps for her. And we had the choice of Beijing through um, the Confucius Institute, the Chinese um, yeah. cultural ministry sort of propaganda program, or to send her to Spain, to Madrid, through the university that I was attending at the time. And I decided to send her to China. So who knows? Maybe I would have. Um, you know, it was a huge, it was a huge place of growth for her at 16. And that was part of the reason that I felt like I could go back. Um, at that point, my daughter was then 20, 21 at that point when I went back. So, so maybe I'd like to think that I would have, but in reality, I probably would have went somewhere easier. I probably would have went, you know, Canada, where they speak English. <laughs> it's a little well, cold, that's but... true. But like, so how did the kids, how did the kids deal with this? So my son told me that I abandoned him. <gasps> he was 27, married, owned a home, had a professional job. <laughs> told me that how I abandoned him. How have you abandoned him? I mean, my seven-year-old, my seven-year-old said I'd abandoned him because I instead and please don't slate me for this but I started to support the US in the women's world cup final at uh, world cup soccer over here and then oh, Sweden I know you went out and I'm really sorry but Sweden were doing really quite a good job and you needed to finish off your goals right so I, I then swapped from US to Sweden right and my son said you've You've deserted me. You've abandoned me. You've um, betrayed me was what he said. And I'm like, oh, my God, where did all this come from? So, um, wow, that that's real big from a – what about your daughter? What did she think? She thought it was great. Oh, wow. <laughs> totally wow. different. You know, because she had been to China, so she understood it a little bit more. Mm. She didn't love it, but she understood the allure of it, that it's it's this 
great, crazy secret that you're never going to figure out. You're never going to be a part of the society, but it's this very cool place to be a fly on the wall and watch what's going wow. on. Yeah, I suppose. And because they have so many traditions as well, don't they? They do. Their traditions are so rich and beautiful. They're, I mean, the food, everything oh. is so steeped in their culture. Um, and it's just really beautiful and interesting. You know, and unfortunately, thing, so many things changed with COVID. But, you know, is so that, that one of the reasons that you moved, um, had to leave? That, yes, that wow. was that was the single, the single largest reason we left. Um, yeah. You know, wow. but it was because I think I would have never have learned and grown the way I did without my time in China. And I know, you know, so many people, of course, you know, on every social media group with women and stuff and people are always, oh, well, if you're depressed, you know, you need to go to therapy and you have to fix it. Changing locations isn't going to do anything for you. All of the stuff. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe in some cases, but in my case and some other women that I have that I have met over the years, you know, sometimes our situations are what's depressing us and bringing us down. Sometimes it's the lives that we're leading that are yeah. contributing to these extra anxieties and and removing ourselves at least for me you know removing myself and having to rely only on me not on my old bad habits not on the patterns that i had not not calling a friend you know this is i couldn't. Have to do i couldn't you know i mean I they're not going to come to china well maybe some of them would have done but like that's yeah. that's at least a 24 hour journey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, it's it's testing over skill. I had to make new friends. I'm 45 at this point, 46 years old. I had to make new friends. Wow. In a new language, learn new yeah. foods, how to negotiate a lease, how to how to get a roof over my head, how to get from point A to point B. So for me, it it really activated everything that was in there that had been asleep. For years, wow. it had been asleep for years because I had a husband, I had parents, I had friends. You know, I you had comfort. I, I, I had comfort. I could be lazy. Yeah, you didn't need you to know? have to do any of those things. What was? Would you have done anything differently though? No. Wow, that's a big no. no. It's a big no, and you know why it's a big no? I mean, I ended up with I ended up in China during COVID, just after having brain surgery. You know, I, I had to, we essentially kind of escaped China. I probably am never allowed in because I didn't cancel work permits. I didn't cancel bank oh, wow. accounts. I just, um, you know, it's probably a place I'll never go back, but it, it taught me so much and I grew so, so, quickly. so quickly. Yes. So quickly. And, and am I perfect now? No, no, of course. I mean, you know. But I think I have a better skill set and a better way to manage things. And so, what are you doing? So, what are you doing now? Then you're in Italy now, aren't you? I'm in Italy. Yes. So you're actually can, not in Italy at this point. If anyone's listening, I'm actually on vacation. <laughs> yeah, so my my partner is Spanish. We met in Shanghai because you know that's the best place to get a Spanish boyfriend is when you're oh, in China. Yeah, in China, hello. <laughs> Get your Spanish boyfriend there. Uh, and despite um, the common belief that if you get a Spanish boyfriend, you'll learn Spanish, that is not true. No, you're his, still mono-language. I am still mono-language. His English has improved. I have taught him all of the best words in English. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and so, so we came here. We came to Spain. I went to Italy. Um was supposed to just go to Italy for three months to get my Italian citizenship by descent. My great grandparents over a hundred years ago had left Italy for the new world. And over a hundred years later, I returned back to get my Italian citizenship with the idea that I could live in Spain with my partner. But I got to, I got to Sicily specifically, not even Italy. Um, And I never left. I love it. crazy it's chaotic it is it is unlike 
any place I've ever been. Um, you know, I've traveled Florence, Rome, Venice, all of the big, you know, beautiful, beautiful Italian places. And then I went to Sicily and Sicily God. is crazy. It's chaotic. It's rich in tradition. So it's, it to me is the best of every single world. Um, you know, it, it's just the most loving, wonderful, beautiful place. And so I decided to stay there and I took one of those business plans that I had written back in China yeah, while I was sitting yeah. at rest and revised it and started a business to help other people like me get their Italian citizenship. And so I've been doing that for two and a half years since arriving. And then I'm, I'm working on, you know, refining that original business plan, which is a pathway for other women like me who hit that midlife point and go, there's something better. I don't know what it is, but there's something better. And I think it's going to be in Italy. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly what this new business will turn into, but it's going to be a, a way to support women on their journey towards, towards their own sort of eat, love, pray. That, do you know, so, it's really funny you said that because I was just sitting there going, you have just been on your own eat, love, pray journey. Mm-hmm like Julia Roberts in the movie <laughs> and well like you met a Spanish <laughs> man in China but like wow and you've survived and what was what was one of your um what was one of your biggest fears did you have any fears oh all the time all the time i mean i'm what happens if I get abducted? If I fall, if I break something, I'm a, I'm a 50 plus year old lady. If I break something, you know, health wise, um, I'm an entrepreneur. What do, I, what do I do if this whole thing goes bust? I'm a oh, single yeah. parent entrepreneur. I mean, I, my backup is me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, every, every day there's a fear. Um, but how but do you overcome them? I lived in China. <laughs> for three, <laughs> through COVID and a brain injury. <laughs> I know, can do but I can do anything. Wow. I can do anything. That's how I get over it. But what is, do you tell yourself? I, I remind myself of what I've been through. What you've been through. It made it you've... through one. Yeah. I've made it through 100% of my worst days. And I will continue to do that. So let's unpack this because you've mentioned it a few times. The brain injury then. Did you have that in China? In China. So in what China. was that? Like an accident? An accident. I fell. I was a good girl going to work like I should. Eight o'clock in the morning. The bus, I was getting off the bus and the bus just lurched a little bit forward and quickly stopped. And I fell over, smacked my head, fractured my skull. Oh. Tore um, the door membrane up in my forehead. So the fracture of my skull was on the back of my head, tore the dura membrane on the front over my forehead. And for months, the cerebral spinal fluid, so like that jelly substance yeah. that protects the brain, the insulation, was leaking out of my head for months and months and months, causing all kinds of problems. So started losing vision, losing my sight, uh, massive headaches like every day. I would come home on my hour-long commute just in tears. I was in so much pain. And so when I say literally what gets me through, I lived through that. I lived wow. through Chinese hospital, Chinese military hospital for four days stay where they wanted to pop open my skull, stick their fingers in there and dig around and look for the holes that were causing the problems. I made it through all of that. I can do anything. Any bad day can get me through. Can I can get through now? Did they open <laughs> it up though and go like? They did not. They oh. did not. I eventually, oh. after four days, I thought I can't do this. There's no way. I'm not comfortable. This this is not a hygienic situation. Oh, no. You got to bring your own soap. You got to bring your own toilet paper. And this is pre-COVID, before all the toilet paper shortages. You had to bring your own toilet oh, paper. Oh my god! Uh, there's no way you're not going into my brain. I'll never come out of this. Oh wow! So actually. So this was, that was in November of 2019. I checked myself out, stayed on bed rest in my apartment for another month, 
got to Christmas day and thought, I cannot do this anymore. I've got to go back to the US. I've got to get surgery. And I tried to avoid it because I knew that was going to be minimum $100,000 solution because oh, I don't right. have health insurance yeah. in the US. Because you didn't don't live in the live US. There. I don't live there. Why would I have health insurance? So I went back January 15th of 2020. If remember, COVID is starting in China at this point. Yeah. Had, had it all repaired three weeks later. COVID was still not in the US, still yeah. just in China. Didn't they were sort saying, of hit until March, March April yeah. for us. Yeah. I flew back into China in February, three weeks post-surgery. Oh my God. So I ended up, I ended up going through Chinese lockdown. (laughs) Chinese lockdown, I would imagine would be a little bit different to a Melbourne lockdown. I mean, Melbourne lockdown, at least we could leave our houses and stuff like that, but. No, but that was, you guys couldn't leave the country. I mean, you, you were really trapped for a while. Yeah. We, uh, and I'm, I'm, because I'm in Melbourne, we had 264 days, five days or something like that, where we were basically a lot of the time we were on curfews. So we had to be home by like nine o'clock at night. We could only leave and go for a 5Ks, uh, you know, vicinity of a house, so circumference of a house. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty full on. The kids weren't at schools only uh, crucial vital workers like nurses and fireys and stuff like that could go to work. Um, Yeah, it was full on. And like WA, so Western Australia, basically closed their borders to the rest of the country and went, well, we're okay over here, so we're not going to let any of you buggers in from over east because you've all got COVID. And, um, yeah. Oh, my God. So there was like families that... Like hadn't seen each other because you know part part of their family lives in WA, part of them lives in the uh, in the east, and they hadn't seen them so seen the families for like a couple of years, eighteen months. So yeah, yeah, it was full on. I think that I think that might have been tougher than mine. Oh, I don't. I think- oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like if, like I was okay. My parents are in the UK, right? So they they actually turned up at the beginning of COVID, and they got stuck here for two months. And I say stuck oh, here because they were, they were stuck with their yeah. grandson and me, right? So and they wasn't though. really being stuck. But um, yeah. So and then they weren't they weren't sure how they were going to get home. So that was a bit of a challenge. But yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, because you guys didn't have flights, nothing. Yeah, well, how I had you... trying to get back to Australia. Yeah, and they couldn't get home. No. No, 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 no flights. Or people would book onto a flight and then the flight would get cancelled or get bumped or, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, considering we move around quite freely, really, globally, uh, it was pretty full on, really. It was, yeah. So yeah. how did you stay positive through all this, right? Because you're in China on your own. Yeah, so I was on my own, but at that point, you know, I had the Spanish boyfriend, so... I started writing business plans. I took the time. I started writing business plans and I started baking. So I make the most phenomenal bread. Oh my God. That's one thing I wish I could make. I have perfected my sourdough bread. I make amazing brownies. I just started doing anything that would keep me busy, keep my mind active because, you know, we were living in a high rise apartment. Yeah. So it's not like you had a backyard. There was no green space. You couldn't go out. Um, wow. The parks were closed, which was the weirdest thing. You know, the safest place to go would be an yeah. open park. The parks so yeah. you could wander down the street, but everything was closed. So I just started, I started baking wow. <laughs> and started writing business plans. There was this fabulous grocery store that every day at noon would put up like an auction. And they were like, okay, we have X number of French duck breasts. You know, we have 10 duck breasts. And so everybody's like vying for the 10 duck breasts. Oh my God. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm in on this. I'm competitive. (laughs) (laughs) So this becomes your day. You know, you just, ridiculous things. Wow. So what's, what's the one piece of advice that you would give any single parent that was be listening to this? What would you... What would you say to them? 
reframe it, reframe your situation. Wow. Look at the opportunities that you have by being a single parent. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's so many wonderful opportunities as a single parent, the relationship you get to develop with your kids. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that you're not really competing against another parent. You, you have this great little future clone of yourself, you know, embrace that, you know, these kids are, are incredible. They're resilient and, um, you know, but, but also don't let it stop your life. I mean, I think that was the one thing I was young and I didn't know any better. Um, and so of course, bringing my kids to work with me was just natural because that was just my circumstances. And for me and, and my daughter, it was the best thing ever. Um, you know, and I think even for my son too, because now my son has his own two children and he's made it a priority that he wants to be a stay at home dad. So he was an accountant and his wife works in HR and they've decided that he's going to be the stay at home dad. He doesn't want to miss that time with his kids. He doesn't want to be traveling. He wants to be able to spend time with them. So, you know, I think as, you know, as dysfunctional as my life was as a 19 year old parent and stuff. I think in the end, it ended up pretty good. I've got a really, really strong, confident daughter. I've got a son who's an amazing, amazing parent, right? Kids, you know, reframe it and look at the opportunities. And you're sort of the success story of every single parent and how you and how like as a single parent, life doesn't have to be shitty, basically. Life, like, like you're not saying it's not hard work, right? You're not going, mm. well, I didn't work my ass off, right? I so did, right? But, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> and we all do, right? And, it, was, it was so easy, you know, just oh. birthday cake balloons all the time. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you had to deal with two, <laughs> two kids in in your business, right? So you were working hard on your business as well as dealing with the kids and school and all of the stuff that we all deal with, right? All of us deal with that. Right. And an ex-husband with his, you know, with new girlfriends, you know, I dated. I mean, of course, no, it was not easy. Of course. And it was screwed up. Absolutely. So many times, so many times, but But there were so many successes. Yeah. And that's the thing. And your kids came out of it resilient and sane, right? So, you know, it's it's a good message to put out there to people. And I must admit, when I started on the single parent journey, I was like, oh, this is it. I've just messed my child's life up. And it was so hard for me to actually leave the relationship because I was like, well, I don't want to mess my son's life up. And like, it was until somebody said to me, well, hang on a minute, there's two people in this thing that are messing his, you know. So yeah. you're not you're not messing his life up. You're actually making the choices to enable him to have a better life, right? And it's exactly what you said, reframing it, right? Reframing, reframing the situations, being grateful for what you've got. Yeah. But I think, you know, when I step back and look at it, would I have been happy staying with that teenage boyfriend? You know, oh. my son's father. My son's father is a lovely person. He's a yeah. really good person. He just wasn't mine. He wasn't my guy. It wasn't, that wasn't the person that I needed to be with. And I look at that, you know, and was it hard? Of course. But would it have been harder to stay? Would it have been better for my son if I had stayed in an unhappy relationship? Absolutely not. My son would have, my son would have not learned his boundaries. He would have settled. He, you know, I don't... I don't think my children would be the people they are today, which is strong and capable and confident and kids that are resilient. That's the biggest thing is that resilience that they see that, look, it's not always going to be easy, but that goal towards happiness is something we're all always working for and you'll get that. Yeah, and look, life is a roller coaster, right? It's not perfect. I, I don't care what anyone says. Even the people who seem as though they have perfect lives, right, don't have perfect lives. They're just giving you, I mean, and the problem is, I think with Instagram and Facebook and all of those things, they give you a window into that one perfect moment, right? But it, they could have had a shit day all day, and then they go, oh, look at the sun, and then they 
take a perfect picture and it makes it look like they've got an idyllic life when it's rubbish. So, yeah, yeah, no, look, how do people get in contact with you if they want to find out more or how do they read about you? Look, at, find your story. Find me. Um, find you. How so do they find you? How do they find me? So you can find me on Facebook if, you know, you're a single mom that, you know, you need to write a, you need to write a book. I Jennifer, yeah, you need to write a book. Hey, if you're a if you're a writer out there and you want to help me write, contact me. Oh God, your life <laughs> story would, would be unbelievable. Uh, thank you. It 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 would be quite the adventure. Yeah. <laughs> That's, but I think you know they can reach me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is my name Jennifer right. Sontag, um, and my business is Italian Citizenship Concierge. If and just wants to go to Italy. And if anybody wants to go to Italy or, you know, to follow along, because I'm not sure what's next, but it's going to be more than citizenship. It's going to be, you know, how to realistically have that Tuscan dream and live it or how to have your eat, love, pray on your terms. Because I don't think these things are, are so imaginary because the women that I have met when I was in Shanghai, I met a group of eight or nine other women at midlife who were like me on their own journeys towards their own versions of eat, love, pray. Some of them weren't eating. Some of them weren't praying. Some of them weren't loving, but they were all doing their version of living their best life and, and living that life on their terms in the way they want. You know, and in fact, I just, just this morning before I, at seven o'clock, two of those women from Shanghai were here. One's from Taiwan, one's from Canada. And they've been here in Barcelona with us for the last five days visiting. And now they're headed out. One's going to Greece. The other's going to Amsterdam. So, I mean, it's, I'm not the only one, you know, I'm not the only one. There's a whole big world and big group of amazing, amazing, confident, capable women out there that are, that are leading the way, Wow, you know, and doing this and we're getting it right and we're getting it wrong. And we learn every day from it. Well, exactly. But that's life, isn't it? Life's there for us to learn, make mistakes, learn, grow, move forward and go from there. And and I suppose the only person holding you back is you. Exactly. Exactly. You're the only person holding you back. You know what? And it's not money holding you back. When I drove off and left my ex-husband, wow. I had $2,000 in my pocket. I left wow. without the house. I left without the car. I left without the savings everything. I walked away. I never went back. I never hired an attorney. I started completely over 45, 46 with $2,000 in my pocket. Wow. So, so, so it's not the, you're the only thing it's you that's holding you back. It's, so if you think you need a million dollars to actually leave and do it's not it's just, it, things will happen, won't they? Life and yeah. things will happen and you will survive. You will survive. It Will it be easy? No, of yeah. course not. But it'll be a hell of an adventure. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's what you've I think that's what you've got to look at it as this is just an adventure, right? It's not going to be like a blooming summer holiday laying on the beach reading a book, but then summer holidays like that get boring. Why would you want that? Exactly. And no. you know, you can squeeze that in now and then. But I mean, I look yeah. at, you know, my sisters when they when they arrived in America, they had a couple of bucks on them. If yeah. even that, 50 cents, they had $2, you know, yeah. what's, what's happens? And they worked and they made a life and, you know, had a lot of fun along the way, yeah. had a lot of tears, a lot of, had a lot of conversations, but they did it. Yeah. And I'm here because of that. No, definitely. Definitely. Well, look, thank you for coming thank on the you. podcast and telling us your story. Cause I think it's such a positive story to say to yeah. people out there, get off your asses and go and do what you need to do in your life. If you're not happy um, and you want to go do something, go do it. There's not only you is stopping you. Yeah. Go do it. And know that there's people out there. Reach out. People, people will have your back. Yeah. There's other, there's others out there. You're not alone. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Good social media. This is the thing that comes from it. That's good. You're not alone. Yes, exactly, exactly. Wow, wow. I'm sitting here going, right, what do I want to do? Yeah. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. I've just recently today written written a list of if I won a six if I won six million dollars, what would I spend the six million dollars on? So I don't know. I'm not going to win six million dollars. Well, maybe I will. I will win six million dollars or earn six million dollars. But oh my god, I can't spend it. Like I sat there and I'm trying to spend it right, and I can't spend it. And I thought six million would be really easy. I can't spend it. I've got like another two and a half to spend. So. Um, yeah. Hey ho. I'll just figure that one out. Jennifer, once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, crikey, it's your daytime. It's your morning. So you can get on with the rest of your day. That's right. That's right. Back to work. Back to work. Yes, I know. And I'm finishing. So that's good. Thank God. Um, yes. Yes. Well, um, oh, sunny Spain. That's all I'm going to say. It's all good. It's all good. You have a great day. And we will speak again soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.